Matthew's Gospel, chapter number 5. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. And we're going to begin reading at verse number 1. And it reads, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray that our hearts will be open, our ears will be attentive to what the Spirit is saying to the church. Uh, Lord, I pray you would use me, Father, and Lord God, just, um, Father, I pray that I would uh, significantly uh, decrease as your Spirit in me increase. And I pray today, Lord God, that you would bring us to a new level of understanding as it relates to the kingdom of God and how we're to function in it as your people in the earth. So we love you and we praise you. And all God's people said, Amen. Uh, you can be seated in the Lord's presence. I'm continuing my series entitled uh, Kingdom Attraction. And we begin to explore the kingdom of God a couple of weeks ago. And today I want to talk about kingdom culture, the culture of the kingdom of God. Uh, some of you may know, and I would just ask the praise team to indulge me for a second, but uh, I had an opportunity to go uh, to uh, Pennsylvania uh, on Friday. We drove up a couple hours to do a business transaction out there, and so we encountered some Amish people. How many of you are familiar with the Amish people? Uh, you know, very, very uh, different uh, Folks, and so um, my kids and my family was just amazed uh, of the culture. Obviously, when you look at the Amish, they dress very, very differently. They pretty much refuse all modern-day technology. So you would not, and most likely, encounter an Amish with an iPad and iPhone. They they really don't do that. Uh, for the most part, they don't really do musical instruments, and you know they don't have automobiles. They pretty much drive horse and buggy. Uh, and, uh, and so, so anyway, so we, we get there and, um, you know, very, very unique people, whether you agree with their lifestyle or not, people from all over the world will come to see and to study this, this group of people. So, so while I'm there, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I, I, uh, you know, I have to use the restroom. Now, I don't know because I know their culture. Everybody say culture. Their culture is very, very different than ours. <laughs> And so now, if I ever come to your home or you visit you and I got to use a restroom, and, uh, you know, I really have to use a restroom. And so here I am thinking, I'm there, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, what, uh, I got to use the restroom, so, uh, you know, how, how is this going to happen? Because I see all these animals and this pasture, and, and she was really guarded about her house, so I knew right off the bat that she wasn't going to let me in. And so I'm sitting there thinking, and I knew it was like, almost like uh, we was in, in, in the sticks, Amen. Uh, y'all all know the stick that means boonies in the country, sticks. And so we get there, and, you know, we're, we're there and everything, and I'm having to use the restroom, and, and I'm trying to ponder on mine, what is she going to say? And I realized it's going to take me a while to get out of the sticks, so I'm going to have to go for it. So I went for it. And I said to her, 
I said, uh, ma'am, um, you know, right before that, she, she actually had to go use her telephone, which their telephone is not kept inside of their house. Their telephones are kept like in a, yeah, in the street, yeah. So some of y'all know what I'm talking about. So she says, well, well I'm going to go and ask, well, can I use your, there's a restroom I can use. I was thinking the little house was the, was the you know, restroom, but that was where the phone was. And uh, she looks over and she points over. She says, oh, sure, you can use the stables. They're right there. And I looked over at the stables. I mean, they got horses, goats, and, you know, all this. And I looked and I'm like, okay, stables? Um, like, is there like a cup or there's somewhere to do this? She said, uh, no, just the stables. I said, well, like, can you like tell me like where, you know? And, uh, and she says, anywhere inside the stable would be fine. And, uh, and, I, and I'm, I'm looking at her like, like, really, but I had to go, so pretty much I went in there with the horses, and we all kind of hung out and uh, did my thing. But um, how many know that's a culture shock to me? Uh, the brother was really struggling with that. And, uh, and again, whether or not you agree with the Amish lifestyle or not, one thing you can say for sure, when you see one, you know who they are. You see an Amish, you say, that's an Amish. Why? Because they're horse buggies, they don't have no electricities, they are, everything about them, their dress, everything about them is unique. And when you see them, you know who they are. How many know that as kingdom people, we have a culture, amen? And people ought to be able to look at you and me and say, that's Christian. That's a person that's a follower of Jesus Christ. Why? Because of our culture and the way that we conduct ourselves as the people of God. Now, how do we define culture? Culture is defined by behaviors and beliefs characteristic of a particular social, ethnic, or age group. It is their values and their belief systems. It's a way of life. It's a practice and way in which we identify a people group. And as I said before, Christians should be, we should carry ourselves in a very, very unique way. How many know that when you become really, really biblical, you will begin to stand out? Y'all hear what I'm saying? When you make a decision to become biblical, I didn't say crazy, because, you know, there's some craziness going on. We, that's a whole nother sermon. I thought about flirting with that, but I said, Lord, I don't have time. But because there's some weird ways of thinking out there. But the more we commit and become biblical, then the more that we, you and I are going to stand out in the culture. Uh, I've often said this, and it's worth saying here again, that the, uh, the power to influence culture is rooted in our uniqueness and, uh, and not our bending to social norms or pressures. I believe that many Christians today, we're kind of caught in a culture war. And what I mean by when I say culture wars is that we're trying to, listen to me, hear me, are you still listening? Say amen. When we're trying to take the culture of the kingdom of God, and know we've been talking about the kingdom, and we're trying to merge the kingdom of God with the kingdom of the world. And how many know that the two come into conflict with one another? We must live our lives in such a way that kingdom culture, watch this, is celebrated. That we celebrate the fact that we are different. That we, how many know that uh, you ever see different cultures and you get to meet different cultures? One thing they have is they have festivals, right? They have all different things. And they just really celebrate who they are. How many know that Christians need to get comfortable being Christians? See, here's what is happening, and here's what's sad. We have attempted to merge the culture of the world with kingdom order, the kingdom of God, in an attempt to make kingdom life more acceptable, in particular to our young people. And, and you know what the end result of that is? That many of our youth today, how many know they're in crisis? Many of our youth today are more attracted to worldly culture than kingdom culture because we're trying to merge the two. Now, I'm all for being cool. But see, I happen to think that being cool and being relevant, I can do that and still be and walk with Jesus, too. I don't have to compromise my values. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
And so God's kingdom, whenever you try to merge the two, how many know at some point there is going to be a conflict? God's kingdom was meant to stand alone. How many know that his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom? And his kingdoms will surpass, and it has already surpassed every kingdom on the planet. His kingdom is not meant to be merged with, with, with worldly culture. And so when Jesus came into the culture, Jesus began to, to really explain a whole new way of life, a whole new way of living. He was really explaining kingdom life. And Jesus was relevant, but if you look at how Jesus did things, he did things in such a way that, listen, when Jesus came, Jesus didn't preach religion. I said that last week. Jesus did not separate. Jesus did not deal with, for an example, he didn't come along trying to bash Muslims. or He didn't come around trying to bash people who have different belief systems. You know what Jesus did? Jesus just went around and he just preached the gospel of the kingdom. And he preached the gospel of the kingdom in such a way that people heard it and they say, I won't end. He preached in such a way when he talked about the kingdom. How many know that the kingdom of God, it is uplifting, it is encouraging. And unfortunately, we have not always represented God's interests very, very well as Christians. And so what has happened is people who could be in the kingdom, they are pushed away because we are more about pushing an agenda. We are more about just trying to win an argument than we are about preaching about kingdom life and representing God's kingdom. And so I want to look at a couple of verses this morning, and then I'm going to jump into Matthew's uh, gospel, chapter number five. Um, and I have this verse. I hope you guys have it. Uh, Romans chapter 12, two. Do we have that in the New Living Translation? I, I hope we do. Amen. I, I love this translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. All right? Listen, this is powerful stuff, good stuff. Don't copy the behavior. In other words, God did not call us to try to mimic the world. He didn't call us to try to bring the world into the church. He called us to come in and introduce a whole new way of living with the objective to change the world. In other words, in other words, to win a remnant to himself. How many know at some point in time that the kingdom of God is going to cover the whole entire earth? Is anybody listening to me? He said, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Transformation, people, first happens in the mind. You got to change the way we think. In other words, you got to begin to think Biblically, we got to begin to think like Jesus thinks. We got to begin to embrace his way, his worldview, a Christian worldview. Understand that, that the worldview and the Christian worldview, they are clashing kingdoms. They clash. They're, they're not going to mix. I'm telling you right now, for some of you who want to try to still be in the world and in the kingdom, you will not experience the benefits of the blessing of the kingdom of God like God intended you to. The Bible says, listen to me, y'all, listen to me, say amen. The Bible says, come out from among them and be what? Separate. There's always a call to be different and to be comfortable being different. I didn't say be religious. I say be different. In other words, in how we conduct ourselves, and we'll cover that here in a moment. We'll be a little bit more specific about that. So we need to change the way we think. He said, don't copy the customs of this world. Don't try to be like the world. Try to be like Christ. How I many know parents need to tell our young people if they want to mimic somebody, point them to Christ. Point them to Jesus. Amen? Point them to Christ. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this. But you are a chosen generation. Everybody say chosen. Oh, y'all got to help me better than that. Everybody say chosen. Yes, but I heard some bass that time. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. This is beautiful. A holy nation, his own special people. How many know you're special today? Oh, yes. 
that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, if you have your King James version of that, I think it says something like you are a peculiar people. That means that you're different. Peter said that we've been set apart to reflect the culture of the kingdom of God. The culture of the kingdom of God is different. It is powerful. It is different. It is unique. It is like nothing on the earth. So which brings us to the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, chapter number five. Now, the Sermon on the Mount uh, basically covers uh, about three chapters uh, in the New Testament and, and Matthew in particular. And Jesus here began to introduce kingdom concepts. He began to talk about how the kingdom functioned, how the kingdom worked. In other words, how we as the people of God now who have come into the kingdom, how do we now live our lives? So I want you to understand this. So, 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 so stay with me on this. So when you want to understand the kingdom of God and how it functions, how it works, uh, the Sermon on the Mount was really like God's summary. It was a summary of the entire kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God functions and how the kingdom of God works. So if you're asking questions today, you want to say, man, what are, what are God's people supposed to be like? Oh, what are God's people supposed to act like? Why, you know, how is this supposed to happen? Then one of the things you can do is you can go back to the Sermon on the Mount. And when Jesus first preached the Sermon on the Mount, man, it was amazing. In fact, they said things like uh, in Matthew chapter, 20, chapter 7, verse 20, 28 and 29, and they said this. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one having authority and not as described. John 7, 46, the officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. So Sermon on the Mount is kind of the, the, um, a snapshot of kingdom life. Now understand something. The principles that we will cover today, you violate these principles, then you minimize your capacity not only to influence the culture, but to really experience the full measure of the blessing of God. How many know God's blessing is rooted in his kingdom? God's blessing is rooted in obedience to how God wants things done. And, 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 and watch this, church. And it starts with the whole new way of thinking. God wants our mind to be renewed. Understand something. It should not shock anybody that some of the things that are happening, some of the laws that are being carried on today, it, nobody should be shocked about that. How many know that the world is going to get worse and worse and worse? How many know I'm talking about? Their thought process, the way they look at stuff, it's going to get worse. It's not going to get any better. I, listen, we don't need to trip and go like, oh, woe is me. We just need to rejoice and understand now is the time more than ever to reflect the glory and the majesty of the kingdom of God. This is the time to glorify God. This is not a time to sit back and cry and pout and get mad because they passed this law, they passed that law. No, no, that's what the world is supposed to do. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're going to they're think differently. They're going to come up with laws and situations that are going to conflict with the, the way of the kingdom. But So now that we understand that, then the, our approach must be different. We must look at this as an opportunity. As Jesus said, let your light so shine that men might see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's about the, we sung it this morning, it's about the glory of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? For his glory. And so we as kingdom subjects, we have an opportunity. Now, how are we going to do that? We're not going to change the world by yelling and screaming at people. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, if you want to go pick it, go at it. But nine times out of ten, you ain't going to change nobody's heart. Nothing going to change. You can pick it all you want to. Uh, listen, I, you won't find Pastor Bailey picking it. I ain't got no, listen, you want to be free. Do it, but you won't find me picking it. You'll find me praying. You'll, pray me, you'll find me preaching the gospel of the kingdom. More importantly, you'll find me living the gospel of the kingdom, which I believe that if we live our lives in such a way that people will see and they will say, I want that. Can people look at your life? as a kingdom person and say, man, I really want to be, you know, I, when I first came into the kingdom, 
uh, my cousin who was very instrumental in leading me to Christ. And I grew up in a church, but you know, like everybody else, I was a rebel. I, I wasn't trying to give my life to Jesus. I was running. You know, I felt like being a Christian was boring. It wasn't fun. I wanted to have all the fun that I could have and do all this junk. I, and, you know, and I'll never forget it. Here I am, a sophomore in college, and I, uh, I ended up spending the summer with my uh, cousin and, um, and his wife. And, you know, and the way that they can, you know, they were devout Christians. But, you know, as I think back and reflect on that, they never, ever, he never came to me and said, you better get up and go to church. He said, Gary, in fact, he said, um, if you want to go to church, it's up to you. You can go if you want, you know. But we, we go to church here on Sunday. We would like for you to go. But, you know, now, now granted, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a young college guy, right? So I, still, I looked a whole lot better than I look now. You know, back then I was in my prime time, you know. And, and so I thought. So, so anyway, so, so I'm, I'm here, and, 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 but, but I watched his life and the way he and his wife interacted with each other. And I watched, and I'm, I'm watching him, and I'm like, man, and I remember just like seeing them like just talk like they loved each other, and they talked about the things of God, and they, they had a Bible study, and they just kind of seemed like I never saw somebody actually go to church and then come home and live it like this. And when I watched them, I said, man, you know what? I want to go to church. I, I want to, you know, I, I want to be a part of that. Why do I want to be a part of that? Because their lives, was, they were living in such a way. They didn't condemn. They didn't talk about people. They were none of that. They were just preaching the kingdom, and they lived it to me, and I said, ah, I got it. I want to do it. And next thing I know, I'm giving my life to Jesus because somebody live the kingdom, and I got to see it. You don't know how your life will change people around you. The power of walking and being committed to the things of God is amazing. There's power in there. Everybody say power. So let's look at some of the kingdom principles here. Now, most of these kingdom principles, I want you to understand in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, these principles are not conclusive. Obviously, Jesus was teaching kingdom principles all throughout all the Gospels. But as we said before, the Sermon on the Mount is kind of a snapshot. Now, you have heard some of these things before, I can assure you. But here's what I want you to do as you're thinking about them, and we're talking about, this, uh, talking about them this morning. Instead of saying, yeah, I know that, I heard that, ask yourself the question, am I living that? How do you know the power is in the doing? It's not about how much you know, it's about how much you obey. It's about how much you do. Ask yourself the question, am I living this way? Because watch this now. So the kingdom of God is a powerful force. And the way we attract people to the kingdom, you know, the name of the series is Kingdom Attraction. The, the way that we attract people to the kingdom is by living out the kingdom. Y'all didn't get that, did you? The way that we're going to attract people to the kingdom of God is not by trying to act like the world, not by trying to acquiesce and change or, or been, but, in fact, to live out the principles of the kingdom. When I live out the principles of the kingdom, watch this. I'm going to have an effect. I'm going to attract people to God's kingdom. To the extent that I'm not living out kingdom principles, I'm not going to have the same kind of impact. So I want you to look at these this morning and say to yourself, am I this? And then if you're not that, be honest enough with yourself and say, Lord, I need to change and make a decision today to change. Number one, I have 10 of these, and I'm going to try to do these within 20 minutes. Hallelujah. I just finished my introduction. Some of y'all are like, yo, we're in trouble. No, you're not. Relax. Number one, we got 10 of these. Number one, you ready? Kingdom people are peacemakers. Everybody say peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9, Jesus said this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Romans 12, 18 says this, if it is possible, because sometimes it's a little hard, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. So how many know that God is looking at your life? How many know that God wants you to be a peacemaker, not a hell raiser? Don't get it twisted. <laughs> There's a difference. In other words, when people look at your life, can people look at your life and they characterize you as a person that is a peacemaker? 
In other words, you're not trying to cause problems. You're trying to be a source of healing. How many know this is the function? This is the kingdom principle. See, there's a time to fight. Granted, there's a time to fight what's right. And usually our fight what's right is just standing, you know, standing in what God told us to stand in. But when people look at our lives, there should be something about our lives that say we are peacemakers. Because the Bible says that God says he wants to be reconciled. The Bible says be reconciled to God. So we're supposed to be agents of peace. This is a kingdom principle. Let me ask you a question. Are you always trying to bust at some boat or are you trying to pursue peace? The Bible says pursue peace. You know, if you're a kingdom person, kingdom people walk in peace. Kingdom people. I say kingdom people walk in peace. This is a principle. Number two, kingdom people are meek. Everybody say meek. Matthew 5, 5, blessed are the meek or humble for they shall inherit the earth. How many know the humble people realize that their blessing came from God? You know, if you happen to, listen to me, if you have been blessed, and, and I'm, I will venture out to say that everybody in here is blessed in some way. Uh, you're blessed. Look at the name and say, you're blessed. You may not have what I have, but you're blessed. But how many know at no place, whatever God does, whatever we have, how many know God gave it to us? Everything. I say, everybody say everything. So we should conduct and live our lives, listen to me, church, in such a way that we're humble. In other words, we don't have a high opinion of ourselves or thinking more highly than ourselves than we ought. Our attitude is, it doesn't matter. Listen, listen, if I live on uh, Fifth Avenue and you might live on, on Ghetto Road, it doesn't matter. I come to Ghetto Road and I have a conversation to eat with you. I'm just saying, some folk, you know, when they get to a certain level, Y'all, 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 do y'all know anybody like that? When they get to a certain level, they act like they don't know anybody. It ought not be, oh boy, a kingdom-minded person shouldn't be that way. My mom always, my mom loved to tell me, boy, don't you forget where you came from. Some of us come from some rough spots, but how do you know God has lifted you up? The Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and then he said, I'll lift you up. God's power is in humility. Y'all hearing that? God's power. How many you want God's power and anointing over your life? Walk in humility. The Bible says concerning Jesus that even though he was the son of God, he humbled himself and came obedient even to the point of death. If Jesus could do that, what on God's earth did I have to be thinking more highly than I ought to think about myself? Shame on me. Kingdom people are humble. They walk in humility because they realize everything they got, God did it. Everybody say, God did it. And if you go home today, as soon as you pull up in your driveway, just say, God did it. Come on, somebody. Come on. You know, if you're riding in a nice car, and sometimes every now and then people might have a problem with just say, look, God did it. And, and he'll do what he did for me. <laughs> he'll do for you. God did it. There ought to be some folks shouting everywhere, God did it. Because he blessed us. Amen. Watch this. Kingdom people, watch this now, they are merciful. Matthew 5, 7. Jesus said this, blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Kingdom people extend mercy because they know they've been given a whole lot of it. I don't know about you, but every day I wake up, I have to beg God for mercy. Anybody, come on. Uh, The Bible says uh, that his mercies are new every morning. I mean, how many, of you have ever, how many of you ever blow it? Is anybody here ever blow it royally? I mean, you just blow it. Come on, raise your hand. Come on. And I'm going to know if I'm preaching it. Has anybody ever blew it? Yeah, man, I did it again. I said it. And how many of you have ever begged God in the name of Jesus? Jesus, I want you to know God. I'm repenting. I ain't ever going to do it again. Lord, I promise you, Lord, if you just bless me, God, I'll serve you. I'll never do it again. Then you turn around, boom, you did it again. And what do you do? Have mercy. Have mercy on me. And you know what God does? He pours it right over you. Come on, how many of you? That's the goodness of God right there. Yeah, his mercy is new every day. Jesus said, blessed are. See, this is why we all not have a problem giving, extending mercy to one another. 
The Bible said, the more merciful I am, I'm going to get it. I don't know about you, but you ain't all that important for me not to get my, my mercy bucket. I don't know about, I, I need my mercy. So he says, bless are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk in mercy. I'm going to send mercy to people even if they don't deserve it. You know why? Because God is sending mercy to me, and I'm going to tell you right now, I don't deserve it. And if you're re- really honest, if you think you deserve God's mercy, do you gotta, listen, you got a whole other problem. We need to talk. We need to have a Bible study. Because his mercies are new every morning. And kingdom people are merciful. This is when people encounter us in the kingdom. Man, God, God's people, they, they, these people just walked in mercy. Watch this. Number, what number are we? Number four? Kingdom people, watch this now. This is a tough one. But Jesus was explaining this, and I want to say Jesus said this uh, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27, 28. He said, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you should not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery and is what? Oh, boy, it got quiet in here. Come on, keep, keep talking to me. Uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 9, therefore what God has joined together, let no man what? How many know when Jesus preached a sermon on the mount, he covered everything, but he went into every corner, did he not? And how many know that kingdom people honor their marriage vows? Kingdom people are not whoremongers. Kingdom people should be known as people that are faithful. Everybody say faithful. Faithful. We're faithful. Jesus said, Jesus we really think about marriage, and I can't cover that here, but, but marriage in, in its totality is a reflection of Christ in the church. That's really what marriage is about. Marriage is a reflection. It's a picture of Christ and his bride. You know who his bride is? That's you. How do you know he's faithful to you? Oh, God. How do you know Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you? How do you know he's good and his mercy endures forever? He's a faithful God. He doesn't turn his back on us. Is anybody hearing me this morning? How do you know God is faithful? Look at the neighbor and say, he's faithful. See, kingdom people, this is powerful because kingdom people are people of integrity. Are you hearing me? That we should be people that are known for keeping our word. I, and it's, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm heartbroken when I see so many divorces in the life of, I mean, I, it just breaks my heart. And it got to grieve the spirit, of, it got to grieve the spirit of God. But how many know that if we're kingdom people, how many know that we got to walk in the principles of the kingdom? Even if the principles conflict with your natural flesh. Come on, somebody. Amen. And they do, but we got to do it anyway. Look at the neighbor and say, do it anyhow. <laughs> Amen. Number five, I'm going to get up off, off of that one. I'm going to lose a little bit of momentum I had. Uh, number five, king, kingdom people love and pray for their enemies. Kingdom people, everybody say, look, look, take your finger, hold your finger up like this. Hold your finger up like this, come on. Don't be rebellious. Look, the pastor actually do something. Just pick, pick your hand up. All right, gee, <laughs> I ain't going to hurt you. Say, I, I, and point to yourself, I, I am a kingdom person. person. I, I love, love my enemies. enemies. Even yeah. if yeah. I don't feel it, I'm going to keep saying it until it comes my reality. I mean, the kingdom people love and they pray for their enemies. Oh, come on, somebody. How many know that nothing stands out more than when you and I love the people? Uh, let me read the verse, Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 46. I know we talk about it here, but, but, but every now and then, ask the Lord to just let, let you see it like you're seeing it for the first time. I mean, it's, it's tough. How many know you can't do this without the help of the Holy Ghost, though? You got, that's why you got you to seek him. He said, you have, you, you, have, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. How many know that's a world's principle? That's how the world functions. You mess with me, I'll break your neck. Who talk, who? 
I'll bust you in the face in the Holy Ghost. It's a worldly principle, right? So he said, you've heard it said, you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's what, that's what the world teaches. That's the way we're wired. But I say to you, everybody say I, I. meaning Jesus. <laughs> he says, love your enemies. How many of you love Jesus? He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. He said, love your enemies. And bless those who curse you. And do good to those who hate you. Kingdom principle, right? I mean, no, when we operate like this, that's power. Y'all, do y'all understand the witness that that have to a person that, 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 that's been using you, that has abusing, been abusing you, and that's been, 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 been taking advantage of you, and then and they see that you still love them, and you still pray for them? Do you see the power in that? that do you see that person sitting back saying, you're a freak. You don't even, what's wrong with you? Do you not realize what I just did to you? How many know there's power in that? See, as I said before, how are we going to attract people to the kingdom? We got to walk in kingdom principle. Kingdom principle, I got to love my enemies. I, don't, I know what your flesh say. I know what your flesh want to do. Some of us need to, listen, we got to put that flesh on the altar. We talked about that already. He said, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Jesus saying, if you simply love and like the people that like you, you ain't done nothing no worldly person ain't done. That ain't made you no difference. But the power is in when you love the folk who do you wrong, and you can pray for them, and you can love them, and you can serve them, and you can give to them, how do we know now we walk in kingdom life? This is kingdom life. I'm asking ask yourself a question. Have you been walking in this principle? Is there somebody right now that you hate? I'm not saying inside this building. I'm, I'm just saying on the job, out there. Some of you got relationships, you won't even talk. The person is trying to reach out to you, you won't even dare give them a time of day because you're still holding it. Hmm. Whoo, Jesus. Everybody say, help me, Lord. So we need to pray for our This is the kingdom principle. So people are going to get attracted. We talk about, Lord, I want to win people to Christ. This is how you win people to Christ. Love your enemies. Bless them and do good to them. I bet you get somebody's attention in. I know and the person the attention you may get is the person that did you wrong. Because when they see you acting like you're acting, how many know that's an alarm? Number six, kingdom people, <laughs> speaking of alarm, number six, kingdom people don't sound the alarm when they do a good deed. This is a kingdom principle, right? Jesus says, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. All right? Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. I don't know about you, but I want, I want my reward from God. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Had one time I had somebody in the church. I don't know who it is. I never asked. I never dug. I never wanted to know. And they didn't want me to know. But somebody blessed me real good one time. I mean, real good. I mean, like a real good blessing. Mean, real good blessing. I mean, a kind of blessing kind of lasts me for a few months. Good blessing. And uh, they didn't put a name on the envelope. They didn't write a check. It was all cash. So somebody walked up to me, one of the counters of the money, and, and said, hey, Pastor, somebody wants you to have your, na have your name on it. Now, I never knew who that was. And they never came back to me and said, um, that's it. Hey, uh, hey, you see that money I gave you? You liked that, didn't you? Never heard a thing. 
You know why? Because they wanted their reward from God. How many know that when you do a good deed, how many know when you do a good deed, we don't need to go back there. There's some folk, man, if you don't give them a pat on their back, I grew up in churches, man, if you didn't acknowledge people, they would get tore up, man. They'd get mad. Come on, some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Man, you didn't, tell, you, didn't, you didn't mention my name, Pastor. I'm mad. And then to get mad because I want everybody to know what I did. Jesus says, that's the full extent of your reward right there. I'm sorry. Come on, somebody. Uh, no, no. He said, he said, when you do it in secret, he said, I'm going to reward. How do we know if he reward me, it's better than anything you could ever do for me. Come on, somebody, because last I read, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord. The Lord can give me whatever he wants. So this is a kingdom principle. So watch this. As a kingdom person, I don't listen. I don't need a pat on the back. If you give me a pat on the back, great. If you don't, I'm good, too, because God saw it. Look at the name and say, God saw it. All that matters is that God see it. And if God see it, I'm good. You don't mention my name? Eh, no biggie. For some of you right now, if you're really honest, if you don't get that recognition, man, you, pastor didn't even, he didn't say nothing. He didn't see what I did. It ain't important what I saw. I mean, no, pastor ain't your Lord. I ain't saved it. Don't even be trying to, that's a, don't be trying to put that up on me. The devil is a liar. Jesus is your Savior. Jesus is your Savior. So do your work as unto who? Him. Number seven, we got to run. I'm all, I got like five minutes. I said 20 minutes. I'm doing pretty good, church. I'm telling you, I'm on point. Uh, here's a big one, and we said it. We kind of alluded to it. Kingdom people forgive. Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. It's a kingdom principle. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither, neither, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Okay, now, now, <laughs> I want to say this. Um, it's not worth it. I'm going to forgive because I know for me not to forgive means that every time I go talk to God, the first thing that he's going to bring, him up, bring up in my spirit is, you need to go back and you need to forgive. How do we know that kingdom life people, kingdom-minded people. This is a practice. This is what we do. Forgiveness should be our profession. We should be forgiving people. You know, uh, Charleston, South Carolina. How many of you remember Charleston, South Carolina? The incident just happened, the Confederate flag and all that. All right, so one of the victims, I, I had an opportunity to go there. In fact, this is why I still wear this band. Some of you may be wondering, but I got this when I was there praying for those folks, and, and uh, somebody, one of them, gave me this band, so I wear it all the time. It constantly reminds me to pray for them. Powerful, powerful. You're talking about forgiveness. So one of the ladies there, um, and I forget the relationship, but um, her, her relative was one of the victims that was killed inside of that church. And what this lady did was she had an opportunity to go to court, and she got to confront her accuser, the, the accuser, the guy that actually killed her relative. And she basically said, well, look, I mean, the wound, I mean, still fresh. They, ain't even put, they haven't even put him in, put him in the ground yet. Yeah, they're saying, I forgive you. And I remember thinking, man, and so I'm sitting there watching news, and so all the, 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 uh, uh, the reporters were not, under, they, they couldn't understand that concept. They were saying stuff like, well, ain't no way I would forgive. You forgive, what's wrong? And they were basically trying to get this woman to recant and say that don't forgive him because he don't deserve forgiveness. But this woman forgave. She forgave in the face of all of that. And you know what happened? The whole church had a spirit of, I was there, the whole church had a spirit of forgiveness. Kingdom attraction. And then I watched it. There was no riding in the streets. Am I right about it? Unprecedented. Unprecedented. The Confederate flag came down. And it had been up on that thing since the early 60s. An act of love and forgiveness caused that flag to come down in record time. Let me tell you, it was the power of forgiveness. 
They walked in this kingdom principle. Yes, they were hurting. Yes, they were crying. But they said, I forgive you. You hated me because of my skin color. I'm not going to hate you because of yours. I forgive you. And when that happened, the spirit of God produced a situation over there of peace. And even people that are still acting crazy, they already lost. But what I'm trying to get you to see is the power of forgiveness. How are we going to attract people to the kingdom? we got to learn how to forgive and let it go. Look at the name and say, let it go. Got to let it go. Why? Because you're not worth me having my Jesus say that if I don't forgive, he won't forgive me. I don't want that. I forgive whether you act right or not. It ain't got nothing to do with you. I don't care if you want to be. I don't care if you don't want to be. I don't care. I'm going to forgive because my God said forgive. So I'm going to forgive no matter what. Because Jesus said, if you don't forgive those who trespass against you, neither will I forgive you. And I'm saying to you, that's not worth it for me. That's too high a price. I'm not willing to pay that price. I'm not willing to pay that price. Are you hearing me? I will let it go. I can't control people. I can't control how they would do what they would do to me and how they respond to me. But I can control who? Control you. And God will bless you because you controlled who? You got it. King number eight. Kingdom people are heavenly minded. All right. Kingdom people are heavenly minded. Do not lay up for yourselves treasure on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth, moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How many know the kingdom people always think in relation to eternity? See, why is it that, you know, I was amazed by Mayfest, you know, um, you know, because we, we didn't know if we would meet our budget, we just did it by faith. You know, and I thought, man, there were people that really stepped up. And you gave money, you gave hundreds of dollars. You know, you really think about a person. Some of us, you know, and I look at my statements, and I'm sure you look at your statements. Many of you, you give thousands of dollars. I mean, if you looked at the span of how long you've been tithing, if you've been giving, faithfully giving 10%, I mean, you've been giving a lot of money. But let me say this to you. This is why I don't argue, I don't get, if you want to have an argument with me about tithing, just save your breath. I don't even have this conversation. I don't talk about that. Because I know that whatever I give to God is being stored up in heaven. You follow what I'm saying? So, 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 so for me, because I, have, I know eternity is coming. I know I'm going to live what? If I'm blessed, 70, 75 years on earth, compare that to eternity, I wonder what your, what your heavenly account looked like. Have you been investing all your stuff in just this earth, or do you have a heavenly perspective? Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Seek those things which are what? Above. So live your life here. Enjoy your life. Have nice things, but make sure that you invest heavily into the kingdom of God. Your time, money, and resources. Amen? Number nine, which is the next one, easy. Kingdom people are givers. You should be known as a giver, all of us, right? I'm walking in this principle. Give, giving at church an offering should be easy. That, nobody should be arguing about that. But, you know, we should be givers beyond just money. We should be givers just known as givers. Jesus was a giver, right? He gave of his time. I mean, the Bible said that people were coming to him at times when Jesus didn't even, couldn't even get any sleep. He was so tired, but he kept getting up. He kept pouring himself into the lives of people. How many know that we need to be givers? People need to see us as a giver. Give, 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 give. Be a giver. You know, I learned this a long time. You know the secret to losing weight? One of the secrets to losing weight, I learned this. I'm talking about myself. Yeah, because, you know, I used to get, like, you know. <laughs> so, like, like, I had coconut cake. I had my stuff. I mean, like, I, mean like, I ain't trying to share that. <laughs> you know, God taught me God taught me a simple principle one day. I was sitting there looking, you know, because I grew up. Like, I'm just telling you. I mean, this is crazy stuff. But it's amazing how this is the mindset. And I'd be like, I'm trying to hold on. I ain't trying to share. I mean, get your own. But, man, I noticed that when I start giving stuff away, like sharing my, my daughter called me one day, Daddy, can I have some apple? Go ahead, baby, have some apple pie. But I noticed when I start giving, doing that, you know what? I suddenly start losing weight. It's amazing how much baggage we have on us because we are so we're stingy. 
and we're not givers. Be a giver. Your life will be better. You'll look better and you'll feel better. Amen? <laughs> Lastly, that was for free. Dr. Feelgood, whoever couldn't give you, I mean, you know, couldn't help you. That was good stuff right there. All right, number, number 10. Lastly, kingdom people are diverse. Everybody say diverse. diverse. Matthew 13, 47. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. How many know that racism should not be tolerated in the kingdom of God? Y'all hearing what I'm saying? Um, I grew up, can I, I, I'll say this, I'm, I'm closing, but I grew up and uh, let, me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me tell you my experience. It's very brief. I grew up in a, a town that was predominantly all African-American for the most part, or at least all the people that I associated with was African-American people. Uh, my college experience was pretty much all African-American people. And so, and very subtly, I began to develop an attitude of, you know, I didn't really care a lot for people that were different than me, in particular white folk. We used to call them in the country white folk. Or the man. You ever hear the man? And you know, and once you come into the kingdom of God, some of those strong, those strongholds got to go. Let me tell you something. I let them think, I dealt with that demon a long, long, there are still people who are saved today who still struggle with racism. And they sit in church every Sunday. It's a shame. How many know the kingdom of God is like a big old dragnet? He's bringing in every kind. I mean, real fishermen, they know what I'm talking about, man. They get all, because sometimes they get a whole bunch of stuff. That's the way the kingdom of God is. So watch this. I need to expand my influence, not just to people where I'm comfortable. I need to go into uncomfortable places. I think sometimes we miss God because we are so narrowly focused. The harvest is plentiful, but sometimes you got to step outside your comfort zone and connect with folk who ain't like you, who don't look like you, and maybe not even speak your language. Because that's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is diverse. So, so, so you know what? I like God's kingdom. Listen to me. I'm so excited because God's kingdom is going to consist of all kind of people. Uh, Arab, black, white, Asian, Hispanic. Did I miss any? Uh, how many know God's kingdom consists of all that? And if they love God, then I love them. It does not matter. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. So we need to be free and walk in these principles. Amen? Yeah. Amen.